Hey guys, and welcome to episode two of the Notorious B.I.G. Hey, happy Rare Disease Day. It's Rare Disease Day, February 28th, 2018. It is also the one-year anniversary since Immune Competence launched, so we're really excited. Episode two of our podcast, we've come a long way since the launch of our blog last year on Rare Disease Day. What a cool anniversary to have. Uh, and it's uh, it's been a journey. So my guest this week is none other than my co-founder and partner in crime at Immune Competence, Lisa Miller. Lisa and I jump into a little bit of everything. We talk a lot more about our specific PI journey, uh, you know, our journey getting diagnosed before we were diagnosed, kind of living with this disease afterwards, how and why we started Immune Competence, which I think we've gotten some questions on. So I hope this will answer some of those. How Lisa and I met, you know, we actually, a uh, fun story on, on how all that came together and really jump around a lot, but really wanted to focus on our best practices as patients, kind of how we were able to take things and, and you know, be what I think is successful patients. And hopefully it is um, some feedback that'll help others. And hopefully we'll hear from you on what makes you a great patient and what you do, because that's ultimately what we're about here is trying to help each other. Uh, we talk about the the fun of being on prednisone and in a relationship. Uh, Go to sick items. Uh, it's the Olympics, so you can find out what our favorite uh, event was that we watched during the Olympics in South Korea, and really kind of wrap up with some treatment options, insurance stuff, um, some really good stuff there, and most importantly, um, really thanking all the caretakers out there. So uh, we wouldn't be here without them. But with that, let's get into it. Episode two, rare disease day. Happy rare disease day. Show your rare, show you care. Hopefully you guys are getting involved. And uh, episode two, Notorious B.I.G. with myself and the co-founder of Immune Competence, Lisa Miller. Let's get into it. I've got my co-founder and co-host of this podcast, Lisa Miller, with me. Hi, everybody. How are you? Doing well. How are it's you? Been, it's been a long day. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, we're during the week. Lisa and I, you both hear us talk about our day jobs. So uh, today we, we met up after day jobs so that we could record this uh, and, uh, and catch up. So a little bit about today is... Uh, we're going to go through in this episode and just talk a little bit about ourselves so you can get to know us, how Immune Competence got started, and then uh, we'll see where the conversation takes us from there. So, um, Lisa, we've both talked about we're both PI patients. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about your background, like your PI journey? Um, so, yeah, this is something that I have talked about um, on numerous occasions to numerous audiences, so it's good to kind of talk to my own people about this. Um, I am a, um, I was diagnosed with common variable immune deficiency while I was in college. Um, and it happened because I was a medical mystery. I was in the hospital. I, um, was in the ICU for 11 days and the hospital 
couldn't figure out what was wrong, and they um, had no idea what to do with me, so they threw everything at me that they could, finally got me recovered from that infection, and sent me home. And I was put under the care of a pulmonologist, and that pulmonologist said, well, you're 18 years old, you shouldn't be having a pneumonia every time I take you off antibiotics, so let's look into this a little better. Um, and so he ran every test he could um, until he ran out of tests to run and didn't know what else to do. Presented my case at Grand Rounds. They said, what, well, have you drawn her immunoglobulin levels? And so they, um, so he did, and that is when I was diagnosed. He found I had about 200 IgG um, and absent IgA and IgM, so I was diagnosed with CVID at that point. Now, where did you go to school? I went to Washington and Lee University in Lexington, Virginia. Um, And so I was diagnosed at the University of Virginia. Okay. So big town, small town? Small town. Um, It's it's kind of funny because my, um, where I grew up is actually just a a blink and you'll miss it kind of place. Um, We do not have our own zip code. Um, We are in the unincorporated portion of Augusta County, Virginia, that is also known as Waynesboro, but um, it's really a, a train stop called Dooms. And so um, grew up really uh, in a rural setting, then went to college in a small town. Um, Lexington, Virginia is uh, quite small, but has two colleges, Washington and Lee and Virginia Military Institute. Okay. And so lots of history there, lots of um, interesting stuff. Robert E. Lee is buried there. Okay. Um, but yeah, great place to go to school. And I commuted an hour and a half each way to go get my infusions every month when I was in college. Cause at that point, sub Q was not a thing. Um, and we were all on IV. And so I was getting my IV at the doctor's office. Um, and there was no discussion of me getting it at home or in my dorm or in the health center or anything like that. There was not even like that thought did not even cross my mind. Um, so it was an hour and a half commute, get my infusion for several hours and then hour and a half commute back. So it was not the most fun. I'd leave at like five in the morning and get home. Yeah. It was a long day. So you didn't even know there was those options. Nobody was like, okay, we're going to start you on this. Here's what's available. Here's what you can do. What option do you want to choose? I did not know that there were options. Okay. My options were, this is what my doctor gave me. And I, I couldn't have even told you what the name of my medication was or dosage or any of that at that point. Um, I just, I had no engagement really with my disease at that point. I think we all start there. Um, and so I bring up the fact of like the size of the town and stuff because um, your pulmonologist was there at the college, right? He was he was at UVA. Um, okay. So I was um, <clears throat> going there for treatment because it was the closest academic medical center right. to me um, that had any reputation whatsoever. Okay. I mean, and he was a really great doc, but he had never had another PI patient, even okay. being at, you know, the major academic medical center in that part of the world. So you kind of just got lucky that he was like, yeah, this isn't right. Yeah. Really, I mean, sincerely, and it's kind of funny because his um, his clinic was actually right next door to the allergy immunology clinic where I was diagnosed. So if he had literally walked like through a set of doors, 
and just asked nice. the, the one of the doctors there, they could have been like, huh, that's interesting. Something's off there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and I think it was something similar for me. So for me, like I started, um, I was diagnosed in 1999. Um, I was 14 at the time. So I was going into my freshman year of high school. Uh, grew up in a uh, kind of all over, moved around. Um, but at the time, I had spent the last seven, eight years in a small town in Oklahoma, um, just like uh, right in the middle of Oklahoma City in Dallas. Uh, it was almost kind of equidistant to, to, to both. So um, I think for me, it was like, you know, same thing, constantly sick, two, you know, several times in the hospital, bronchitis, pneumonia, all the fun stuff that we're all familiar with. Uh, and then finally had gone out to, uh, was on summer vacation, was visiting my, my dad and, uh, decided, yeah, maybe we should get a second opinion while we're out here. And I remember it was a summer of testing and it was kind of like, yeah, I remember he talked to me about it and, and said, uh, what do you want to do? And I said, yeah, I, the, something's not right here. You know, I think we all agree I get sick way too much. Went through a whole summer of testing, x-rays, blood work, this doctor, that doctor, Finally found an allergist that said, let's do a full workup and let's see, let's rule as many things as we can out. They ruled out allergies, all this stuff. And finally she said, look, I have an idea. I've looked at some of your blood work. I have a friend who is a immunologist over at um, uh, UC Irvine and I'd like to do some labs and, mm. and send it off and let's see, let's see what he says. And sure enough, they called, they said, you know, can you come in the office and um, I got, I remember that day perfectly. I was sitting on the left side, mom was on the right side and they started talking to us about, well, we figured out what's wrong. You know, you have what's common variable immune deficiency Your your immune system isn't producing the antibodies to fight off infections while you're sick all the time. And I'll never forget. My mom was like, okay, she took a deep breath. She looked at me. She's like, are you okay? And I just remember that moment. Cause it was like, it was like that sigh of relief. It's like, okay, we have a name for it. That's fantastic. Uh, so then it was, you know, ended up getting treatment out there, moving out to the West Coast um, so I could be with all my specialists and those folks, and uh, started high school. We did it in the infusion clinic at the time, uh, which was fairly close to the house. And I think, I, I mean, I was in high school, so I definitely wasn't engaged in my medical care. And then What? We, you, mean, you mean teenage boys might not be engaged in their medical care? Yes. Sorry for all the PI zebra moms out there. Um, the struggle is real. I know it. I put my mom through it, uh, but I promise we get better. <laughs> um, so, so I think that's one of, um, uh, yeah, I just, I remember that day very, very clear and then, uh, went to college. And then when we went to college, uh, when it was time for me to go to school, they said, well, you know, you can get this done at school. And we were like, Oh, okay, well, that sounds good. And, um, and I think it was through, through college that, um, a girl I dated in school was like, you really should know more about this, you, mm -hmm. you know, and she actually started doing some research that sounds like, you know, probably the typical guy, sorry guys, um, was not engaged. She did the research. All of a sudden, you know, I started getting some information in the mail and I was like, Oh, all right, I'm learning a little bit more about this. And my, uh, my immunologist in Atlanta at Emory University was very engaged with me. And so her and I had a good relationship. And, she, you know, she kind of helped get me to where I'm at today. But, you know, I think it's it's a hard road for sure. It's, it's uh, one of those things. And now, so we're both unengaged. We don't know anything. How did you start to find out that there is this whole other 
herd, that the herd is out there? Well, first of all, I will say I was so, I was so out of it. And so like, I didn't, I did not realize that it was like difficult to find someone to treat me. Like I had no idea, no clue, no, no concept. So when I moved to DC, I started calling allergy practices and I started with my insurance list. I started with the ones that were closest to my house and worked my way out. And when the third one said, uh, you need to go see this one practice in Maryland, I was like, oh, but Maryland is so far. Like, this is D.C. Why isn't anything closer to me? Yeah, that sounds when, familiar. You know, it's like, you know, 40 minutes from my house. At the right, time. Right. So it's like, you know, um, unrealistic expectations, I think, on my part. Um, but I landed sort of backwards into this really great practice with, you know, every physician there is qualified to treat me. So no matter who I see, like even if my doctor is not there, there's somebody qualified in the office. And so that was fortunate. And I was still kind of floating along until I think it was, I want to say 2009 um, was my first IDF conference. Um, And I basically decided, I started to do a little bit of research because I had been in a relationship and that relationship ended poorly. And he was really a jerk about it and a jerk about me being sick, even though I I had mostly hidden it from him. He had no idea for the most part. And so, you know, he was a jerk about it anyway. And so I was like, you know what? I think it's, I think as an adult person, it's time for me to sort of step into this more fully. Um, and so... I went to my first conference, met a bunch of people, and I was like, huh, you know, and it really, you know, for me, it started with an, with sort of doing research. And I found, I landed in Eric Weintraub's open CBID group on Facebook, which is still open, um, even though Eric has passed away since, um, due to complications of, um, immune deficiency. But I, um, you know, I met somebody there who actually saw the same doctors as me. And he was like, this is the wilderness of the internet come into my circle. (laughs) And so he actually introduced me to many of my friends in the community, like um, Laura and um, several of my friends. And so from there it sort of rolled downhill and I got to meet them all in person and sort of was welcomed into the fold. Yeah. And I think it was the same thing. It was um, uh, my immunologist called me. I was in college. She's like, look, You've got a unique story. You've been successful in the work world. You put yourself through school. I think you should come talk. And I had this whole vision. You know, I've probably watched a lot too much TV that you walk into this room and it's going to be like, hi, my name is Colin. I have CBID. And everyone was going to be like, hi, Colin. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So for me, I was like, "Mm -mm, I am not doing this. And she's like, look, kept you healthy. You're doing this. And I was like, okay. I was like, all right, I'll do it. Um, she's like, look, you're talking, I think, pretty pretty close to me. We can always, you know, uh, walk out after that. And I said, okay. I said, you know what? It's hard to argue with the lady that's, you know, really got me on, on a stable bill of health. And I showed up at the event and met. Um, it, was, uh, it was an IDF teen conference. I had never ah. been involved in anything else. Was speaking on just, like, the work world and relationships and... 
um, all these different things and, and similar, just kind of, you well, know. I feel like, I feel like those are the issues that always come up, you know, yep. when, when we talk about like, what do you want to know when, when we talk to people, it's like, Oh, how do you deal with work? How do you deal with relationships? And it's like, we've been through these things yeah. and it's one of those things where it's like, there's no easy answer. There's no one right answer. It's yep. one of those, well, this is how I went through it. And every experience is different. Yeah. Everyone's had either good experiences, bad experiences. Everyone has experienced it different. And I think that's the hard part is your experience varies from mine. My experience varies from the next person. You know, when you go into the CBID group, you um, uh, you, you see everyone's story is 100% different. So it's really fascinating. But volunteer that day, spoke, had an incredible time. Uh, and uh, that experience really got me on uh, a unique path for a really cool, we'll call it my day job, mm -hmm. uh, even currently to where I am now. So, so that led me into a lot, and I'll never forget, I had moved to Baltimore, I was working with this group, and I, uh, I found this online group. And I found this online group, and the same person, Laura, reached out to me and said, hey, you know, this is just a private group for patients, just want to verify that everything's, you know, copacetic. Um, got into the group, and then I think that's the first interaction we had, was in this small group of patients. It's all very amorphous, the internet. It is. We met on the internet, yeah, as so many millennials do, right? And now we're sitting in D.C. having this conversation, so it's yeah. pretty cool. We work, we work within probably a half mile from each other for our day jobs. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think that's fantastic. Met, we kind of all chatted online, and then I think it was the big IDF meeting. Mm -hmm. It was the national conference. If you guys haven't gotten to one, shout out to IDF. You, get, you have to experience a national conference. Yeah, there's really nothing like it. Like, you know, basically, not only just not feeling alone, but, like, feeling almost normal. You know, you feel like you feel like your experience, you don't feel like a voice in the wilderness yep. anymore. And that's a really important thing for patients. And the odd people out at that conference are people with normal immune systems. Exactly. And you don't find that often. <laughs> so, no, we met in Phoenix, got to meet all these incredible people at that IDF conference in Phoenix. Uh, absolutely recommend them. Uh, highly, highly recommend them. If, if you got to go to at least one. You got to go to your local patient meeting and you got to go to a national conference uh, and, and be online. It's amazing the people you can meet and, and the conversations that will happen. So, so I think from there, we were both online. We were both talking. Sounds like online dating. Like We, we both met online at PI dating, you know, IGdating.com. Oh, that, that, site, be... that site doesn't exist. People do not go to it. <laughs> That would be a complicated... P.I. Singles? Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's so many know. good ones. That I don't know. I don't know, man. Zebra's don't know. Date? Ah, yeah, we could go all day with this. So, um, uh, you know, kudos to whoever starts that website. <laughs> um, it would be a really expensive insurance, but hey, more power to you. Yeah, um, yeah. I think we, we met online, and, and this idea was kind of born through our relationships online. Um, the idea of immune competence and the idea that there is something more that we can offer patients and that patients um, can offer each other um, through, you know, deeper relationships and different kinds of relationships. And I think um, for me, that was really the thing that launched it yep. for me was, was to say, you know what, like I really feel, and I, you know, my day job I work in payment reform and in, you know, care coordination is a big thing. And, you know, looking at how do we 
move our medical system to paying for quality instead of paying for quantity. So instead of paying, you know, for ticky tacky things, you know, paying for a great patient experience and where, how do we get there? And part of getting there is care coordination. And so that's been a real passion of mine professionally. Um, and having the opportunity to sort of bring that, that knowledge and experience to the PI community is really important to me. And I think, and I'll never forget, I was, um, I travel a lot for work and I was traveling and always tried to kind of stay involved and pick the like four top groups um, and tried to stay involved and just answer questions. And, you know, I had a, a unique opportunity over the last several years to meet with a lot of thought leaders, do a lot of different things and thought, okay, I, I can provide some feedback here. Got involved and then noticed there was just all this misinformation. Like you can go into this group and it's like, okay, I got to call this snake oil salesman and I should be on this product because it worked best for this person. And it was just like, oh, hold on. Okay, let's let's stop for a second. You know, this may work for you, but it may not work for the next person. And I think that, um, I'll never forget, I was down, I think it was like gate 78 in Detroit. Starts from one, goes to 78, and there's restaurants on either end. Was grabbing a quick bite to eat. My, my gate was right behind me and saw another one of these questions. And finally, I remember Facebook messaging you and going, what do we do? Like, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, how can we, no matter how much time we put into answering questions, doing these things, what do we do? Yeah, sometimes it feels like being a hamster on a wheel, you know, because you see the same handful of questions. And the, the fact is, like, there's no good answer about the process. You know, we can, we can answer these questions, like, one off, but, like, it's, it's more of an overarching question of how to patient. Yep. Like, how do, I, how do I become a good patient and how do I um, communicate better with, with my peers, with my doctor? How do I cultivate those relationships so that I understand more of what I need? Yeah. Because it's so different for each patient, as we were talking about earlier. It just, it's just so different for each person. And it's so important that each person can guide their own care and become that sort of personal care navigator yeah. where you're understanding not only what treatments you're on and what your disease is, but also understanding, you know, what your doctor expects and how to have that relationship with your doctor. I think those kinds of things are things that we don't talk enough about as a patient community. And that's one of the reasons why I think immune competence is important because we are trying to sort of facilitate those conversations in a new and different way. And I think what's really cool about it is, we can kind of say some things that other people can't. We can kind of be the, you know, rambunctious uh, <laughs> kid in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and so, you know, let's have that conversation. There's no ramifications if we bring it up. There's, there's nothing that's going to come out of it. And you know, we've we've gone back, and and when I look at that conversation we had, we've had a lot. So I'm sure it's buried somewhere in Facebook world. Um, we had that, and we say, you know what? Let's just let's start a blog. We'll start a blog. Let, let's see if we can build out a blog and talk about all these things. And so when things come up, we'll just link back to the blog. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, we started it. We launched February 28, 2017, Rare Disease Day. Good day to celebrate your anniversary uh, of what you're trying to do. And, and we'll be doing that in a, in a fun way this year. And uh, I think then it was like, okay, where do we go from here? 
So we started the blog. Out of the gate, we were just, I mean, every time we had an idea, it was up on the blog. It was up on the blog. I think then some things have started to transform in insurance questions, in care questions. Um, we got lucky that you talked a little bit about uh, dealing with your physician. You know, we brought an incredible immunologist onto our board who helped us found immune competence. Uh, Dr. Alpan, we interviewed him in episode one of the Notorious B.I.G., and he brought up some really great questions of what you should be asking, you know, your physician and stuff like that. And so we want to keep exploring those. And I think that's uh, that's the big piece. You know, I don't think either of us is quitting our day job right now. This no. is this is not this, this is, is certainly a passion project for exactly. sure. Exactly. For sure. And exactly. and cultivating that, you know, there are multiple avenues of, of communication. And, you know, I, one of the big things for me is never leave a doctor's office without understanding exactly what your treatment yep. plan is. And that, to me, is sort of transformative in the patient journey. Is like when you start to have that understanding, you can say, okay, I know myself. I know I'm not going to want to do this. Like, how important is it? And my immunologist and I have this conversation. Like, I don't want to do my nebulizer every day. And I have bronchiectasis. My bronchiectasis, I'm, I'm very grateful, is not far that far advanced, so I don't need to do my nebulizer every day. So I was like, I'm going to level with you, Dr. Skrupa. I don't know that I can do this every day. I'm tired of doing this every day. I've done it every day for like two and a half years. I'm done. I'm not doing it. And right now I'm on a hiatus from other specialists. Like yep. I only see him. Yep. I don't too. see my rheumatologist. I don't see... Um, my gastroenterologist, I don't see anybody else but my immunologist in terms of specialty care because I needed a break. And I was able to navigate that with my <coughs> immunologist and say, I've been overwhelmed. <laughs> like yep. I've done nothing but medical stuff for years and years. I need to not do that. Like I'm at a place where I am, you know, status quo is good. I don't need anything right now. We know what to do if something pops up, but you know, if something changes, you know, because if I were to make like major life decisions or something like that, we would want to have a conversation with multiple specialists, yep. but I'm not, you know, and I, I think being able to have that honest conversation, like I need a break, like what in my treatment plan can we change? And so now I do my nebulizer if I'm sick yep. and I thankfully have not yet been hit by the flu that's going around. like, but I, you know, I know if I get the flu, I have to do the nebulizers. I have to do right. to keep the, keep everything moving, but I ha was able to have that conversation. And I think that's a conversation that a lot of folks aren't necessarily prepared to have at this point. Yeah. And I think it's hard. It's, it's awkward, right? I mean, I was talking to Dr. Alpan about this. I think we're both lucky that we have gone through the good, the bad, and the ugly to get to the one that works for us. Um, and, you know, probably a move away from being back in the struggle. Uh, but, you know, I think it's important to have that and to have that honest conversation. And I picture it, it's kind of like, um, and you talked about this in a couple of blog posts, it's kind of like when you go to the dentist and they're like, have you been flossing? Not as much as I should be, which is universal for now. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think we... I flossed for a week before I came. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I might do it tomorrow when I get home. Uh, but I think it's one of those things where you walk in and you're like, oh God, I didn't do this. You got to level set. You got to have an honest conversation where else. Tell the truth, you know? It's exactly. it's such a hard thing to do because you don't want to disappoint your doctor. And it's kind of your embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. 
It's like, I failed as a patient. Yep. It's you, hard. You survived. I have failed many times as a patient. And probably will fail so We all have compliance issues. Like, all of us, like, like I know, you know, some folks on sub-Q, they go to hook up their sub-Q, and they're just like, I just can't do it today. Like, I haven't, I didn't do it last week, I can't do it today, but I'm going to make myself do it next week. You know, and, and that has ramifications. Yep. And that, you know, warrants a conversation. Like, if you feel like your life is taken over by medical treatments for whatever reason, it's hard. It makes it difficult to want to engage in those medical treatments and it's, and it warrants a conversation. Yeah. And I think it's, it can be as easy. Like you said, as Hey, I know me. This is great. I'm glad you think this will work for me. It's not an option for me. It'll work theoretically if I do those things, (laughs) but let's just talk about how I'm not going to do those things. Why not have that conversation? The only person it hurts is yourself. So no, I think that's, I think that's huge. So, so real quick, before we get too far away from why we started Immune Confidence, I want to talk about the name a little bit. Because as we've gone through and starting this business, doing our 501c3 paperwork with the IRS, accounting, all this stuff, People go, immune competa, uh, competence? Tense? Uh, okay. Well, what do you do? <laughs> so how did we get to this name? So the idea, it's, it's kind of a play on words. And um, so those who have normal functioning immune systems are known as immune competent. Um, and those who do not are immune deficient. But we want to grow and build our immune competence as a knowledge base as a patient community and build up the competence of the community. And so we decided that that kind of punny play on words was a good way to introduce what we wanted to do. We want to teach um, the patient community and the, the broader world about the immune system, about what immune deficient patients go through and kind of get our own, um, build our own community yep. in a way that's going to be, make us a better and more competent community uh, with with a better knowledge base. Yeah, and I think um, I think I think that's great. And I think you know when we were looking at our mission statement, we said you know our mission is to engage and amplify the voice of the PI community. So I think there's a couple ways to break that down. I think it's engaging. You know, we did the blog. We've started this podcast. We're very accessible online. I think we're, we might be a little too accessible at some, some, some of the crazy questions we've gotten. Um, but, you know, that was the big piece. We wanted to be out there. We wanted to see if we could help connect people. Um, I think the Amplify part was how do we do this bigger? You know, when um, uh, we saw the, well, we didn't see it, the Everything Everything movie came out. And, and we, we definitely did not see that yes. movie. We're, we're a big, sick family. Here. Oh, yes. Um, 100%. Yeah. Shout out. Oscar time. Emily, we'll be cheering for you guys. Oscars, best screenplay. You know it is. Just vote people. Um, (laughs) But we were talking about it, and I think amplifying it. So we this was our first Facebook ad. So we're going to curse on there. My dumbass decides we should take out an ad against the movie. So when you do a Facebook ad, you can target people. So who should we target? So I'm like, we're going to target uh, MGM Studios, who made the movie. We're going to target the actors that were in it. And we're going to target um, the person who wrote it. 
And I'll never forget. My wife walks out and goes, what are you doing? I was like, this got big. We blowing up the internet. <laughs> we got up, I think we got 20,000 hits on this ad. And at one point, it's Lisa and I, both on our separate individual computers at home, 11 o'clock at night, and we're in like a war with 17-year-olds. <laughs> you just don't understand. It's about young love. Oh my God! See, PISingles.com. I know. I know. <laughs> We're gonna do it, people. Um, That'll be Colin's solo project. <laughs> <laughs> P.S. I'm married, so that'd be a weird solo project. It would be. Are you? Do you have a primary <laughs> immune deficiency? Are you looking for love? Log on today. <laughs> oh, all right. We're a little punchy today. Well, yeah, it's we should just move on from that one. Um, <laughs> thank God for the editing process. So, yeah, hopefully you guys, hopefully that makes sense on the name. I know we've gotten a couple questions, um, you know, a little bit more about us, a little bit more about what we're trying to do here, um, and, and really that, you know, this isn't, we're kind of doing our own thing. We're trying as we go. We're seeing what works. Uh, and we'll see what we do next. So if you have any suggestions, anything you think you're missing in the PI community, let us know. We're yeah, happy to give I it mean, a we're not we're not here for us. It's not about it's not about Lisa and Colin. It's I could about, be at home right now. It's well, yeah. it's getting late, and we're doing this. So it's, it's like approaching dinner time. It is. Um, but I think it's important for us because we want to develop tools and functional things for you. Um, at, as a PI patient, like what, you, what, us, our you, family. us, like, cause there are lots of things that I know I have that I do that are helpful to me. And so part of our process has been to document those helpful things. Yep. And that's where you guys come in. If there are things that you know have been helpful or things that you want, um, that would be helpful to you, Hit us up. let us know. We're happy to help develop tools and, you know, help you help empower you to, to create the, the, medical outlook that you want. Yep. Absolutely. So some other things. What, um, let's see here. What's your favorite thing when you're sick? Oh, my favorite thing when I'm sick. Everyone has that go-to item. Um, well, that depends on what kind of sick. <laughs> Is it because sad there that there are, are levels? <laughs> there are levels of sick and there are types of sick. Like if I am like, like my my general run of the mill sick, I want apple juice. Nice um, apple juice, a nice blanket. I don't know the last time I had apple juice. I only I drink it know. when I'm sick. Interesting. Like only and only like you know ear infection, like that kind of like I want my mommy kind of sick because <laughs> everybody has that. Like I don't care how old you are, yep. how bad it gets. Like there are some things that just make you want your mommy. Yep. And as an adult, you don't get your mommy, so you get <laughs> apple juice. If you're me. All right. What's your What's your thing? I, I heard a rumor about Sour Patch Kids. Is that? <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so Lisa and I were on the phone. We we're we we're running through some ideas and stuff to, for this episode, and I said, "What's your go-to thing when you're sick?" And and she was telling me this. And uh, as soon as I said that, yelling from the bedroom was my wife going Sour Patch Kids. Uh, so that's mine. Uh, you know what? I try to eat healthy. So I think when I'm sick, even though I know that's when I ultimately need to eat even healthier, 
Um, God, sometimes I just you ain't want no kale. Food. You ain't want no like kale salad when yeah. you're sick. No, you want like <laughs> like want cheese bomb cheese. mac and cheese. Yes. Like you want like you know, give me some fried chicken. Like grilled I don't cheese want... tomato soup is mine. Oh yeah. Oh Go yeah. To sinus issues. Grilled cheese. Like, and sometimes I'll just hold my face over the hot soup and just be like, oh, this is so good. Like, I'm actually, like, I bought a personal steamer because I was like, well, I can buy it with my FSA, which, shout out, like, if you do not have an FSA and your employer offers one, you should have one. Those are the best. They're so great. And so I got this personal steamer so that I can steam myself. And I'm like, I love it. It's so awesome. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think, like, what other my, like, go-to is. I think on Infusion Day, it's, like, that's when uh, that's when I get to watch my movie. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's when we're watching the Fast and the Furious series. And Kristen's like, okay, I got, I got some errands to run. Um, <laughs> no, my wife is typically always there with me. And if she's not, Bane is there. And if you don't know who Bane is, um, we may not be close friends. Because all I do is talk about my dog. So, um, Bane is very cute. He is. See, you're gonna have to meet him in person now. I know. Yeah, he's he's. In, but be, he, beware, my my fiance Jason. He may steal your dog. <laughs> he's got this thing. He loves dogs, and and we are both very very busy. Um, and so we haven't we haven't gotten a dog yet. Yep. We're like waiting for the wedding to get to, to get the dog. Um, and so. He's he's constantly on the lookout for a dog that he can nab and love. See, I you know what I love it. Although I think he loves Kristen more than me. Uh oh. But we'll talk about that another day. That's another episode, and we might have to bring a therapist on for that. Oh one. yeah. Mm. <laughs> what do you think? Like, what would be your ideal day? Like, you're not sick, and you can do oh, anything you want to do. PI does not stop you from doing right. anything. What What would that thing be? So. There's two things that I, I had to get a hobby because P.I. became my hobby for a while and that was just too much. So I had to get a hobby. So I took a photography and I have all these beautiful pictures from all over the world where we've traveled. Uh, and, and so traveling and photography has been really great to kind of turn everything off. I can go out. I'll just go for a walk, go find a cool spot and do some cool pictures. I think the other thing that this past summer, Kristen and I took up kayaking, and that's just peaceful. It's mm. not a ton of work. I think the hardest part is getting the kayaks on the roof of the car. And we've thrown them off the roof of the car one time. Luckily, nobody was hurt. The kayaks were fine. We were a little nervous the next time. <laughs> um, but yeah, kayaking. It's just quiet out there. Phone doesn't really work. It's nice. Yeah, that, that's it. How about you? Um, so for me, there, there are like, there are so many things that I just like, I love to do, um, that I don't necessarily always have the time or energy to do. Cause when you work full time and you have a chronic illness, energy is at a premium. Um, so I love, I love being outdoors and being, um, I grew up, uh, just outside the Shenandoah National Forest. And so Shenandoah National Park, George Washington National Forest, um, and so I really enjoy just being outside, um, sort of in that area, hiking, that sort of thing. Um, and I like, I also had to take up a hobby because 
I, I have trouble turning my brain off. Yeah. My brain is constantly in this like, oh, shouldn't you be doing something? So in order to enable myself to rest, because rest is important, yes. um, I took up crochet uh, a few years ago. Nice. And that has been really excellent in terms of being able to relax and just like I can focus enough on crochet yep. that I, um, gotta, I can do that. You got to get like a zebra crochet or something. Oh, yeah. Something more like auctioning off online. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we gotta do something. I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to see. Um, that'll go on my list of projects to do. <laughs> it's um, down the line. <laughs> um, and I think um, I'm also really big into cooking. Nice. Um, so I love like taking a day. I would love to have just a day to make croissants. Ooh. As like, as like strange as that sounds. Um, I took a croissant making course. Um, it was in National November. Day. Yeah, you just missed it. What, I know, December, just or, uh, January thirtieth? I think. I know. I know. Just Thank you, it. Starbucks. Random fact of the day. <laughs> um, and I, um, I love to do those kind of labor-intensive cooking yeah, escapades, nice. but I just don't always have the time to do it. See, I don't enjoy eating them. Yeah. See, well, we'll have to. I'll have yeah. to make. I'll have to do like croissants or beef bourguignon or something, and have See, you guys over. We're in. Kristen loves to cook and do the same thing, and I'm always like, I'm in. What are we making today? I'll eat and I'll do some dishes. That I can commit to. Well, you and you and you and Jason are similar in that. Okay. In that regard, he's like, I don't know what I don't know what is happening, but I will do the well, dishes. And like, it's like the grilled cheese tomato soup story. Chris and I, when we were first started dating, he was like brained out or something was happening. So I made I made a grilled cheese, and I think it was I didn't feel wasn't feeling well, so it was like grilled cheese tomato soup, and it was like you know straight Campbell's from the can. Mm-hmm. And then it was like craft singles, what every good bachelor should be making his grilled cheese. No, with. no, no, no. There is nothing better to make a grilled cheese sandwich out of than a slice of American cheese because it melts perfectly every time. See, I learned this because Kristen was like, oh, oh, wow, good tomato soup. And she made me my first grilled cheese. Oh my God, it was so good. Even to this day. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, what kind of cheese do you want on it? And I think back to, oh, you can. Not just craft singles. Mm. <laughs> See, that's my go-to though. Like, cause, cause nothing yeah. melts quite like that cheese-derived product. Yeah, like no. nothing, nothing melts like that. Um, although I do love a good Munster cheese. See, and she's a food scientist. She does food for a mm-hmm. living. So I'm like, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. And like I said, I can scrub a good pan. I'm See, good I for make, that. Um, like I love. I have. Uh, Thing about tomato soup too and i make it i actually make it in my vitamix See, and so we've got to do that we have a vitamix we got for our oh, wedding yeah we like never use it oh bro i know bro you I gotta know. you gotta like it'll make hot soup and in i can make six it. minutes like i could yeah make it. oh yeah you just dump stuff in there and hit the button <sighs> see i can do that yeah yeah, and like Jason doesn't like tomato soup, but he was like, "I like that tomato soup." That tomato soup. I was like, "Yes," because it's like real food. And the Vitamix is always like creamy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I got to get into that. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's All good right. stuff. I got to figure that out, especially now. It's it's February, flu's going around. I, I, yeah, I need gotta some get more you some tomato, tomato soup. soup. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, I've got my go-to blanket. Go-to. See, I've got my insomnia show. Like, the other night, I made the mistake of taking cold medicine before I went to bed and was up all night. I slept, like, three and a half hours. Insomnia, sitting out in my living room, The West Wing on Netflix. Oh, yeah. The West Wing's great. 
Oh, and, and there's like eight seasons, so you could not sleep for like a month. <laughs> or, or one one run of prednisone. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you could make it through. So prednisone, the best and the worst. Oh, you feel like you can do everything, but you really should be doing hours. nothing. <laughs> like, oh, it's the worst. It's like I will clean everything, and then you're then you get done, and you start to come, you start to taper, and you're like, why am I so tired? Yeah. Probably because you cleaned all the things, and you were sick, and you were on prednisone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I used to tell Kristen when I would when I was on prednisone, I'd be like, I'm on the angry pills. Oh yeah. Because I get so short tempered. Freud rage is real. <laughs> and it can happen within a 14 day period. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's just like you get you get angry, you get sad, and you're like, I don't know why I'm so upset by this, but I really oh. am. And even just like regular sickness though yes. can do that. Like for me, like I can tell when I'm getting sick because I get really emotional and it's, and it's an inflammation thing. Apparently, like if your body is inflamed, like there's, there's like some sort of connection between inflammation and your emotional state. And I actually talked to my um, rheumatologist about it at one point and she was like, yeah, that's a legitimate actual thing that is real. I was like, Oh, so I'm not just like a whiny baby. Like I, I'm actually less able to control my emotions because of the inflammatory process that my body's going through with an infection. I was like, genius. Excuses nice. from now on. Yeah. <laughs> Although I found now that I'm married, I can't use that as an excuse. Yeah. She knows. She does. They know, people. See Olympic time. You have a favorite sport in the Winter Olympics? Ooh, in the Winter Olympics, I am fascinated by luge. Just the people who do it. Yes. Like the desire to strap yourself to a small, <laughs> like, m- like metal, sharp object that is smaller than your body and hurl yourself down a frozen tube. <laughs> like, that's fascinating. To me. <clears throat> or what about the skeleton? They go face first. Oh, yeah. All of it, all of it. Like I'm like, like why are you doing this? Like why? Like what in your childhood? Like like what what? Because these people have been doing it f- since they were like we little. They're our age, and they started in like high school. And it's like, what makes you say? Side note: We're not that old. No, we're not. <laughs> um, and it's like, what is like what is it that makes you do those things? Like what what? What is the impetus behind it? I'm fascinated. Or how do you find out you're good at it? Like, like, how do you find out you're good at going down a hill fast? Well, I mean, like, you have the old school communist countries, like the USSR would like, like, look at children's physical profiles. This is serious. Like, yeah. they would look at children's physical profiles and like select children to go to the national academies for you know bobsled or whatever because of their physical attributes um and so it's not the u.s like, it's just uncle ted shoving you down yeah really it's like it's like freedom yeah um but it's 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 fascinating to me because it's like how do you find that like esoteric sport that you're good at because i think everybody probably has some sport that they could yeah. be at least passably decent at. Maybe not Olympic athlete, but, you know. Curling. Um, well, curling, curling is my latest obsession. I was watching it but on. But it's so boring. See, here's the thing. So one day at work, I was talking with a coworker, and we got the Olympic channel. And we're in a D.C. office. So, the D, you know, in D.C., the average TV is turned to the news. Oh, yeah. See, we had to take a break from that. So we thought, well, we'll turn it. We watched every episode of Fixer Upper. 
Oh, there you go. I, you know, Joanna and Chip Gaines, it's just what a marriage should be. I know, like, what's not to love? <laughs> Except for maybe that much shiplap. Oh, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. Um, love their target line, though. Yeah, Random it's side beautiful. Note. I walk through it every time. Not my wife, me. Oh, it's beautiful. Don't buy anything. No. Sorry, Chip and Joanna, but love it. Yeah. Um, but we got into Kremlin. And so, at well, lunch, you know, there's a team in DC, right? I saw locally they do cocktails and curling. I'm like, I can't think of anything more yeah. dangerous than hurling a 50 pound dangerous, rock dangerous, while like you're drinking a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they there's like a whole league, a curling league in oh, DC. See, I could get into that. Yeah. The strat- I was watching it on the train this morning, and the guy next to me was like, I know that's not this year's Olympics. And it went by, and he saw the the logo and he goes oh it started but the opening ceremonies aren't aren't till friday oh yeah it starts before the opening ceremonies oh they started yeah. um so curling for me fascinated by it it could put me to sleep but oh, it's fascinated. i like watching the highlights like okay. i will watch the highlights when they're like it's like super exciting broomy <laughs> things happening but like and a there's lot of yelling. so much like it's like, what are you gonna yell at that rock and make it do something? <laughs> yes. Like it's it's kind of hysterical. Um, I also really like watching hockey, yes. um, and so it's no like NHL players for the men's team this year. I know, but that means that means we'll do better. We might, we might. What's been the What's been the hardest part of sort of accepting the fact of having CVID for you? Um, I'm not a mask person, so here's my thing with this. Uh, anytime, like, the invisible illness, I can deal with. On an average day, I have trained myself to deal with it. I very rarely get upset about it. The, the physical kind of being able to see it, and I have to show it to other people, bothers me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a big one for me. Prednisone, that water weight, me wanting to eat everything from the ro- roid rage, but, like, the mask, when, when weird things happen, it's, I don't know why. I think that's the yeah. biggest thing for me. And then when I do my infusions, because I'm on such a weird regimen, mm-hmm. doing my infusion is like my reminder that it's there. Yeah. And I that's, think that's it. That's, that's why I'm on IVIG. Like, I don't know if you know this. Like, that's why I'm on IVIG, because I don't, like, and that's why I so resented having having it in my home, like, yep. having to do IVIG oh. at home, like, made me so angry because... It was just like the insurance company is telling me how I have to be a patient and I don't like that. Yep. And I, you know, I can understand, you know, they want to reduce costs and like all of that. And there's no clinical reason for me to be like any certain side of care and yep. like whatever. So I understand, I get it why they want me to be at home. But like, I hated it. Like I got used to it. And it's one of those things where you just get accustomed to it. Yeah. Um, but at least it was once a, once a month for me. And it just, it's just one of those things. I know myself and I know if I had to do sub Q every week, I would just resent it so much. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. And I think one of the biggest things too, and I think you bring up a good point is, um, uh, we see this a lot online people love talking about this worked for me, this worked for me, this worked for me. That's fantastic. I think it's fantastic. You found what worked for you. I found what worked for me. But it may not work for everybody, right? Know yeah. your options. Know what's out there. Well, and, that's but- a, and that's a big deal because a lot of, 
you know, a lot of companies will try and direct you through marketing or whatever to their product or their, you know, they've got some novel application or they've got I love some, a good pharma ad. One of the things you need to do as a patient is real, find out what's that optimal thing and what's yep. going to work best so for I think, you. I think there's a couple of things. I think one is know your options. Mm-hmm. The research is out there. Ask around. Know your options. I think two is talk to your physician about what's going to be, what are the options and what's going to be clinically safe for you. Mm-hmm. This is how I learned how to ask. What is clinically safe for me? Some people may not be great for the home. Some people may prefer a clinic, vice versa. What are my options? Then it's the insurance company. And you may have to go, those calls may be in different orders, but then it's the insurance company and it's, what will you pay for? <laughs> yeah. What will you yeah. cover? What's my, what's my cost in all this? So now maybe my doctor gave me four options. Insurance is willing to pay for two options. Now we, we got to be our own advocate. I think that's important. Yeah. And I, and you know, knowing your options and knowing when someone's not allowing you to have the right options yep. um, and when to, when to fight and when to capitulate. Like I knew with home infusions, Ooh, like there was no, I like that word. That's the vocabulary word of the day, I yeah, guess. Um, we should put that up online when this goes live. Uh, <laughs> but but you have to, sometimes there aren't, not all battles are worth fighting. And I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways for me is like, sometimes you got to put down the pitchfork. You yep. know, if you're not getting approved for treatment, your first call should not be to the media. Straight up. Like, so that's, not gonna be, that's not going to be productive. Like, I work in PR. And let me tell you. I have sent some great stories to folks. Mm-hmm. They don't pick it up. Yeah. They don't pick it up. My, yeah. my thought is your first call, if you're not getting the care from your insurance company or they have violated some sort of policy, it's the insurance commissioner. Mm-hmm. We forget about them. Recently, shout out to my specialty pharmacy. You guys can read all about my trials and tribulations with them. And I put my pitchfork down, thanks to Lisa, and we haven't named names, but... It's that battle of what do I do? And and I recently learned every state has a pharmacy board. Oh yeah, that you can also do. And so we're actually working to to try to get some folks on and, that, to talk and about that's that. something like you can't like you going to the media is not going to hit the insurance company in the pocket because you don't exactly have a choice in who your insurance company is depending on your situation. Well, look online and see what people, what other people are saying about them. (laughs) You know, and it's like, like nobody, like, like, you know, my, my employer has my policy. Like, can I switch companies? No, like, but, but knowing, you know, so you're not really going to hit their bottom line by going to the media like you would for certain other sorts yep. of types of companies, like you know your bigger cell phone companies, things like Local that. Local businesses. Yeah, you know, you know you're going to hit their bottom line by doing that. But this behavior, like if you come at them as an antagonist, they're going to stonewall you entirely. Like yes. you can, you you know, it's it's easy enough to go up the chain with most insurance companies and say, I'm I I really you know I think our conversation has run its course. Can I speak to someone else? Absolutely. And just keep going until you talk to someone who actually behaves like a human and not like a scripted robot and find that compassionate person to hear you and to hear what the problem is and to listen and help you get solutions. And I think that's the biggest thing um, for me is like, you can't go in both barrels blazing and, and expect someone to react with compassion 
because it's, it's, it's a yeah. hard it's a hard thing if someone comes at you yelling at you and they're already angry it's hard to say oh well let me help you even if they made the mistake exactly like, even if they made the mistake like hold them to account exactly. absolutely hold them to account exactly. but do it in a nice way you know you catch more flies with honey and document 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 absolutely document. you got to write it all down yep. get names get times all of it understand how you behave as a patient understand yourself understand what's important to you and what you value um, because that's going to be the most important asset to you throughout this process whatever advice we can give you or whatever advice anyone gives you um to thine own self be true understand yourself as a patient understand um what you need and learn how to articulate those needs and the faster and sooner you can do that, the better off your overall care is going to be, the better your feelings about the illness are going to be, yep. and the better outcomes you'll have. Because an engaged patient is a healthier patient. And there are studies after studies after studies across disease processes that say that. Yep. Wow, we've gone from grilled cheese to some self-reflection. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah, I think for me it would be... Uh, it's really easy to go somewhere and vent maybe about a caretaker or someone that helps you out with something, maybe a coworker who came in sick and knew they shouldn't, um, you know, but make sure there's people around that I think make sure you say thank you, make sure you appreciate them. I've seen a lot of uh, incredible caretakers. I have one. I recently met yours. He's fantastic. But make don't, sure don't tell him he's my caretaker. Yeah. <laughs> Then he'll stop doing stuff for me. Yeah, well, no, actually, he won't. He's he's amazing. So, but 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 make sure you appreciate them. There's going to be frustrating things. Remember, they don't live with it every day. They don't understand what happened when you were first diagnosed. Maybe they weren't there for the journey. So, uh, I think this is this is definitely tough on us, but it's tough on them as well. And um, you know, my wife and I have had a lot of conversations. Of uh, I tell her, don't be afraid to call me out when roid rage hits, and uh, and vice versa when. When I need her, you know, maybe to be a little more understanding or, hey, this this upset me. So shout out to all the caretakers. We yeah. appreciate you. It's the prednisone. I promise. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, you know, yes. we, you know, it's 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 really, that is a really important point, Colin, that, you know, we don't necessarily take the time to appreciate the people who make this journey easier and make this make this journey doable. You know, we hear a lot about people saying, oh, you're so strong. How do you do it? Like, I could never do such a thing. And I think, you know, it's ordinary in some ways yep. to say, you know what? I don't have a choice about whether or not I am going to do this. So I'm going to do this to the best of my ability. And it's those people who make your best better. There you go. Um, and making sure that you thank them. So I think that's it, guys. Wow. I know. We could talk, and we could probably still keep going. Oh, yeah. And there was only water in the room, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> next time, Next time we'll, we'll have a beer or a bottle yeah, of wine we'll or something. Yeah, we'll change that out. Exactly. A... So, all right, guys. Thanks for tuning in another episode of The Notorious B.I.G. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this, has, been a, this has been an exciting journey since yeah. we started this. So, yeah. so thanks, for, thanks for tuning in, everyone. And we'll catch you next time. Absolutely. We, you know what? The next one, we're going to have to talk about the Jerry Maguire movie. Moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
there was definitely, I had a fun moment, like, 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm emailing Lisa, like, my manifesto on uh, on, on what we got to talk about at Immune Confidence. So, mm-hmm. But we'll get into it, guys. Thanks again for listening. Episode two is in the books. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening to our podcast, The Notorious B.I.G. It's Rare Disease Day 2018, the one-year anniversary of immune competence starting. We hope you enjoyed uh, meeting us, meeting the founders of immune competence and getting to know us a little bit better. But ultimately, we want to hear from you. Any best practices out there that help make you a successful patient? Any great stories that you'd like to uh, like to see on the podcast or the blog? Shoot us an email, big at immunecompetence.org. We want to hear from you. We want to interview you. We want to we want to know uh, what makes you what makes you better. Uh, ultimately, that's what we're about here. So that's it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next month as we kick off April for. PI Awareness Month. We've got a great interview lined up for that. We'll see you then.